Welcome to Poetic Justice Forgotten Ministry, Continuing Education. I am the host, Overseer Estelle. Can you please subscribe to our website, www.poeticjusticeforgottenministry.com. Once again, www.poeticjusticeforgottenministry.com. We have a YouTube channel and it's called Poetic Justice Forgotten Ministry. Subscribe and share. We want to welcome our teacher today. His name is Pastor J.P. Greer. He's coming from Sentinel for Christ. He's teaching on the spiritual warfare intercession ministry. Welcome, mighty man of God. Hello, international family. J.P. Greer here from the Sentinels for Christ, and I want to welcome you to this introduction to our video series on the spiritual Warfare Intercession Ministry, or what we like to refer to as the SWIM prayer group concept. Now, I believe it's the Holy Spirit who's brought you here today because He has been impressing upon you the importance of intercessory prayer and how it is meant to support and start everything that takes place within your church, within your community, and ultimately within your nation. And I also believe that many of you who are sitting here have discovered how easy it is to get off track with a good idea that you thought was God, and in the end, or halfway through it, realize that you were producing something that looked more like a work of the flesh as opposed to a work of the Spirit. And it is the intercessory prayer ministry cultivated within a church community that is made up of people who know how to hear from the Holy Spirit and then pray for the things that the Holy Spirit wants them to pray for that will help you as a pastor and a leader stay within the guardrails of what God wants to do through you, through your church, and through your community. Now, I want to share a little bit about my own experience so that we can relationally get to appreciate each other a little bit more. I've been a Christian since 1978, and I'm going on about 42 years of being a believer in Christ. I've been a pastor, an assistant pastor. I've been a leader. I've led conferences. I've been a pastoral counselor. I've traveled the nation, and I've worked in international settings presenting the gospel for almost some 40 years. But for most of that time, I had a frustration in my spirit that I was not hearing intimately from the Spirit of God when it came to starting projects or starting ideas from the church. And it wasn't until 2015 when I had had enough projects and enough projects fail or seemingly to have fruit, but fruit that I wasn't convinced that it was the fruit God wanted to produce that I said, Lord, I don't want to do another thing unless I know it's from you. And what God did was he began to show me what it meant to start everything from a position of intimate prayer with the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit would show me where to go from there. And ministry would then take the course it was meant to do. And that's what this video series is about. is showing you as a pastor and leader in ministry how to do that. Because as S.D. Gordon, the well-known radio host in the 19th century, used to say, Everything in the church starts with prayer. Now, what does it mean to operate from a position of the flesh as opposed to a position of the spirit? 
I've been in the ministry now, like I said, for some 40 years. So I have a little bit of experience as a pastoral counselor. I have two advanced degrees in counseling, one from seminary, on how to recognize a minister who's operating from the spirit as opposed to one who's operating from the flesh. And ministers who operate from the flesh usually have the following things that are common in all their lives. First of all, they have no problem making commitments and they have good intentions to follow through with those commitments, but they break those commitments. They have no problem finding ideas, but they have problems finding people to align and support those ideas. And if they actually get those ideas accomplished or started in the church as project as projects, what usually ends up happening is the process of getting the project done causes so much destruction on the people in the church that at the end of it, they wonder if the project was actually worth it in the end run. You see, works of the flesh at the end or in the middle of it, they will have no peace. Works of the Spirit will produce a speed. peace. Why is that? Because works of the Spirit will always have the same ultimate result. They will produce people who love Jesus. So the first spiritual truth principle that I can hand with you as we launch our teaching ministry is this. A work of the flesh won't produce peace, but a work of the Spirit will. So welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Intercessor Ministry of Sentinels for Christ or SWIM. I hope you're blessed. I think you So I now want to move into the first part of our introductory section for the SWIM Intercessory Prayer Group concept. And I want to talk about the foundation of prayer for everything you do in the church and then give you some scriptural examples as to why that's mission critical. But before I do that, I want to spend just a couple minutes again talking about this tendency that we have as leaders, ministers, and pastors to sometimes walk from a position of the flesh as opposed to walking from the Spirit. Because if we don't get this right, it doesn't matter what ministry we set up. It will be corrupted by the flesh, and we will not experience the fullness of what God wants to do in our community and in our churches and in our people. Now, Leaders who operate from the flesh can usually be recognized by how they treat human relationships. And it's almost across the board. I've been doing pastoral counseling for almost four decades now. And what happens is, instead of cultivating people or seeing people as a precious plant that needs to be taken care of, um, if you've done any gardening, you know, you need to fertilize a plant, you need to trim it sometimes, you need to harvest the fruit from it, but you need to take care of the plant. It's got to be watered. If it doesn't, what does it do? It dies, right? Leaders who get overextended and who are walking from the flesh, instead of cultivating plants, they try and control them or they try and control the people that are underneath them, that they are called to shepherd. And what usually happens is that instead of forming a unified body that moves forward in one direction, you have a lot of internal disunity and a lot of struggling that happens unnecessarily in the church. This is what was happening in Corinth when you read the New Testament. And you can see how Paul tries to remedy this problem. So leaders who are overextended and operated from the flesh, they tend to, and I have done this in the past myself, we see people as a means to get to an end or a good ministry goal. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Jesus did not do that. Jesus always knew what the goal was and he had it in mind, but he always saw people as the process by which the Heavenly Father wanted to partner with people and bring about the kingdom of God 
its expansion, and ultimately the redemption of mankind and the earth through the process of cultivating people and building them up. So I'm going to leave it to you up at this point just to do a self-interest uh, assessment and ask God and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do I treat people? Do I see them more as a means to an end? Or am I taking the time to cultivate them? Because what's going to happen when you set up your intercessory prayer group is you're going to find that there's probably only a few people that are going to meet the test of being good members for that group. That doesn't mean it always has to be a small group, but it means that as new members come into that group, those experienced prayer warriors are going to need to cultivate, build up, teach people how to hear the Holy Spirit, and teach them how to grow in Christ. And if they don't see it in you, they won't be able to impart it upon others. Now, let's go ahead and talk about some scriptural examples. And on your screen there, you will see um, some scriptures that you can write down and take for your notes. We're going to go through these and see just what happened when the church used intercessory prayer in the New Testament. So the 11 New Testament examples of intercessory. So now I've shared with you the importance of intercessory prayer. And now I'd like to give you 11 New Testament examples that when any major movement of the Holy Spirit occurs or any major kingdom expansion occurs, it starts with intercessory prayer. And the first example comes from the life of Jesus himself. In the fourth chapter of Matthew, we're told that the Holy Spirit compels Jesus to go into the desert for 40 days prior to the commencement of his ministry. 40 days of what? Prayer and fasting. To hear from the Father about the nature of his ministry and what the cost of mankind's redemption would be, the cross. So before we engage in any major church commitment or any major church project, we ought to be starting it from a position of intercessory prayer. The second example comes from the sixth chapter of Luke, verse 12, and it's before the selection of the disciples, the 12 members who will be the primary core surrounding Jesus. What does that 12th verse tell us that Jesus is doing all night long? He's praying before he selects those 12 disciples, hearing from the Father who to select, praying intercessionally on their behalf, even praying for Judas. The next example comes from the ninth chapter of Luke. And we find in Luke 9, verse 18, before Jesus reveals himself as Messiah to the disciples, the scripture tells us he was praying alone. And the disciples come to him and he asks them, who do people say that I am? And he reveals to them Jesus as Messiah. So Luke tells us, that Jesus was spending time in prayer before that revelation to connect those two together. Jesus was hearing from the Father, this is the time to reveal this to the disciples. If you want to know when to reveal things to certain people at certain times, sometimes you must seek that knowledge from God because the timing of God is more important than the timing of our own flesh. The next example takes place six days later, and it's on the mountain of transfiguration when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him. But before that transfiguration takes place, the 28th verse of Luke 9 tells us Jesus was praying, and Moses and Elijah appear and give him counsel and have discussion about what is facing him, the cross. 
So you want godly counsel? You want to open up the supernatural to get the counsel of God and the support of the people of God? Intercessory prayer is the tool by which these things occur. The fifth example, it happens in the only miracle that is actually recorded in the four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. And it's easy to miss it in Scripture because the feeding of the 5,000 actually is right on the heels of the death of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, which must have been traumatic to Jesus because, first of all, John was his forerunner, his friend, and was a prophet, but he was his cousin as well. And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, it tells us, after Jesus gets that news that John has been killed, he goes and spends time in prayer. But the people find Jesus. And what's Jesus' response in the midst of this, to reveal himself as the bread of life, John 6, 35, and perform the feeding of the 5,000. And it's in that feeding that not only does he determine himself and show himself to be even greater than Moses, but he makes that incredible statement that it is by taking of him that everything we need in the spiritual and the material is actually satisfied. But we don't see it unless we look through the scriptures. It's at the beginning where Jesus is praying regarding the death of John, a terrible appearing defeat in the material realm, which he turns into victory through a miracle. And then what happens at the end of the miracle in John 6? Verse 15 tells us Jesus goes back onto the mountain to pray. And of course, it's at the cross where we find Jesus interceding on behalf of those who are executing them. Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. When we go into the book of Acts, we find intercessory prayer was something that the first believers learned was mission critical in the kingdom expansion of the church. In Acts chapter 2, before the Holy Spirit falls, when the group of believers are gathered in the upper room, undoubtedly part of what they were doing was praying before the Holy Spirit fell. In Acts chapter 9, It's at the commissioning of Paul after he's received a vision from Christ that Jesus tells Ananias, go find Paul, there you will find him fasting and praying. And before Ananias puts his hands on Paul, where Paul receives the Holy Spirit and receives the miracle and gets his sight back, we find the apostle conducting intercessory prayer. Another example of ministry commencement preceded by intercessory prayer. The release of Peter from prison in Acts chapter 12. In the previous chapter, we find out that James has been killed by Herod, and evidently the church wasn't praying. Well, they respond differently when Peter gets in prison, and they're praying. And it's through the act of intercessory prayer that a mighty miracle takes place. God changes what is occurring in the material to the supernatural and sends an angel and Peter is released from prison. So if you need God to act in a situation that seems impossible to change, intercessory prayer, that's the key by which it's done. Another ministry commencement example is in Acts chapter 13. And it's before Paul and Barnabas are told by the Holy Spirit to go on the first missionary voyage. What do we find Paul and Barnabas and the other prophets doing? They're praying, they're fasting. And then the Holy Spirit says, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have planned for them. Enter 
intercessory prayer. In Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Barnabas are beaten and thrown into the Philippian prison, and it seems like their ministry has been derailed, and the charges are extremely serious against them, which could result in execution. It is the act of worship that changes the situation, and the very prison cells are shaken open by an earthquake, and they're freed. The people who jailed them come in and ask for forgiveness the next day. Do you know that the act of worship is one of the most intimate powerful forms of intercessory prayer that we could perform. You may already have an intercessory prayer group already set up. Great, I commend you. But there's a difference between an intercessory prayer group that hears from the Holy Spirit and one that just prays about things that they think are spirit-led. What often intercessory prayer groups look like is there are groups of people who are dedicated individuals that they get together and they pray for prayer requests that have come into them either from the pastoral leadership or from people in the congregation. That's great. That type of prayer needs to be conducted, but that not necessarily is a group that hears from the Spirit. And when we are engaging in kingdom expansion and trying to seek the Lord about what the Lord wants us to do in our community, in our churches, in our nations. We need to hear from the Holy Spirit first. And this video series will help you to set up a group that learns how to do that. Now, you may be setting up an intercessory prayer group from the beginning. This is great because you'll learn how to set up a group, how often it might meet, what those people might look like that you select as members of that group, and you'll be able to build from there a group that represents the culture of your community and your church in particular. But I want you to think of your intercessory prayer group with the following analogy. Think of it as a base camp. And what I mean by a base camp is this. When an army goes into an area to conduct any type of offensive operation against an enemy, they always set up a base camp. And a base camp is a place where they can receive ammunition to equip the army to go out and conduct those military operations. At the base camp, the troops that conduct the operations can come back and rest. They can make new strategic war plans. And your intercessory prayer group will put a perimeter around you as a pastor to protect you by praying for you, by praying for your marriage, by praying for your ministry, and by praying for your church so you don't have holes in your ministry, which the enemy can use as access points to cause problems in the church. So the base camp is the analogy for the intercessory prayer group. But I want to give you one following example to drill home this point of how important intercessory prayer is with the life of the Apostle Paul. Do you know in the New Testament, there's no less than eight times that the Apostle Paul, Paul, who had Jesus speak to him face to face, who had a face-to-face, first-person conversion from Jesus, saw the type of revelations that probably most of us, frankly, are not going to see. Paul never lost the value or underestimated the importance of intercessory prayer right up until the time he died. And there's eight specific times in the New Testament when he's asking people or churches to pray for him personally or his ministry. And I want to close with reading one example from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, starting with verse 18, because it gives us a great example of what intercessory prayer looks like and what it's supposed to involve. Verse 18, with all prayer and petitions, 
Pray at all times in the Spirit. Remember, the SWIM ministry is about praying in alignment and relationship with Holy Spirit. We don't want a knowledge-based prayer ministry that is disconnected from Holy Spirit. Continuing, and with this in view, be on the alert. And with all perseverance in prayer, pray for all the saints. So right there, we're told one of our jobs is to be conducting intercessory prayer at all times for the church and for the people of God. He goes on to say, and pray for me on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that by proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That was written 20 plus years after the Apostle Paul became a Christian. So if the Apostle Paul found intercessory prayer important for kingdom expansion and the health of the ministry, we should too. That concludes the introductory video of the SWIM ministry concept. In the next video series, you're going to be looking at and hearing about how to set up your IPG group, what it looks like, who to involve in it, and how to conduct a discipleship program to produce more people who fall in love with and utilize intercessory prayer. J.P. Greer from Sentinels for Christ. Thank you. We'll